Hello everybody, this is Bob from the future coming at you to let you know that this episode starts a little weird. We start this episode by talking about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, as well as Crystal Skull. So if you want to skip past all that for spoiler reasons, or you just want to skip right to the sleepaway camp stuff, please skip to 14 minutes and 25 seconds immediately. You know what I watched uh, the other day? What? Indiana Jones. Like the OG one? Dial of Destiny. Di- it's fine. It's not great. It's it's fine. It's not great. Okay. I, I got out of that movie, Bob, because I was watching it with my friends, and I, I turned over to my friend and was like, you know what? I'm going to go watch a good Indiana Jones till now. I'm going to go watch Crystal Skull. I said it as a joke because I was like, you know, this film wasn't great, but it's fine. There were things I liked about it, yeah. but it was okay. Mm-hmm. It was just a little off and it was a little boring, but I decided to put my money where my mouth was yesterday, and I put in Crystal Skull, right? Because I was like, I haven't seen this movie since it came out. It's god awful. I don't dude. remember watching, like, remember a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Bob, when was the last time you saw it? Oh, when it came out. Bob, it's not that bad. In really? Fact, I think it's a better film. No fucking way. Swear to God. No fucking way. And you know way. I do this podcast, right? Better film. There's no fucking way. Yes, there is. No way. I hated Crystal Skull when it came out. Same. I didn't think it was that great. Hindsight, not that bad. In fact, kind of enjoyable. That's insane. I know. I think it might be like a, a societal, like, subconscious thing where we all started shitting on it. So our memories are like, oh, it's the worst film ever. Bob, I remember it being awful. No, it's not that bad. Like, okay, hear me out. Hear me out. Obviously, I don't like the premise. I think it's... <laughs> We've talked about this before. I think it's ludicrous, right? Sure. And some of the sequences are a little like over the top and exit the level of believability mm-hmm. that you'd expect from an Indiana Jones film. I mean, I think Dial of Destiny does the same thing. However, it's a lot while some of those scenes are more like over the top than you'd expect. Overall, it's a lot more realistic than Di- Dial of Destiny. Dial of Destiny is fucking insane. But also the big thing I I I noticed and I I had someone pointed out for me and then I was looking at it. Crystal Skull actually looks like a Spielberg film. And mm. not like a generic action movie like Dial of Destiny. I see. Because Dial of Destiny did the very modern movie uh, cinema thing where you just get multiple camera angles of the same shot mm-hmm. so you can cut a bunch of scenes. Crystal Skull is still shot like a Spielberg film. Where it's all one shot. Where it's all the big one shot mm-hmm. takes and a bunch of stuff like that, which is great. And that alone makes everything look so much better. Like, objectively, I think Indiana Jones is doing the same amount of like stunts. But they look so much more impressive in the long action takes. Yeah. It just, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I think the Dial of Destiny has a better, like, hook for, like, the Dial of Destiny. I think that's a much better, like, Indiana Jones-style, like, MacGuffin. Sure. But overall, I think somehow Crystal Skull turned out as a better movie. That's upsetting. Also, like, it does the Russians, which Mm -hmm. I love Nazis as a bad guy. Yeah. They're, They're a much better... I just want to see these people die because mm-hmm. they're bad guys. And so that was kind of cool to see again. But the Russians in that film are so much more unique because the film plays around with, and I didn't realize this as a child, but there's a whole like Red Scare subplot going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cold War stuff. Which is like pretty cool. That is cool. I enjoy also, that stuff. Also, thing that occurred to me while I was watching that movie, you know how old Indiana Jones is in Crystal Skull? I don't know. You want to do a guess? 50-something, probably. Right. He's 57. Yeah. How old do you think he is in Dial of Destiny? Oh, he's probably like 60, 70. He's 69. 
Okay. Which is fine. Except he acts 80 in that film. He's ancient. But he acts like he's 57 in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah. Which is fine. My issue here is that when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was filmed, Harrison Ford was essentially the age Indiana Jones is in Dial of Destiny. <laughs> so it's very disappointing that we don't get yeah, the same level of physicality. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Anyways. I will say that, that was my main... Because that was a big thing for me. Um, and then I was thinking about it, and I was like, I think it's the cuts that make it look worse than it is. Yeah, probably. Also, um, his son is not as bad as I remember. Really? I yeah. remember hating him. He's not that bad. He's not, like, the most enjoyable part of that movie. I will say, I like the side characters in Dial of Destiny pretty pretty okay. But, but the kid's pretty okay, and... Uh, oh, but the kid is so bad. Really? Oh, he's the worst. And the girl is just, like... She's fine. She's... Fine. I hate how evil she is. But she's just, like, not likable at all. Yeah. And also kind of a Mary Sue. Yeah. But in a in a not fun way. Also, they keep killing likeable. all Indiana Jones' friends. Yeah. That's really sad. Yeah. Also, the ending sucks. Yeah. Because, like... I guess what I'm saying is you should go watch Crystal Skull again. It's on uh, Disney+. Plus. I, I might just go watch Temple of Doom or something. It's not great, but it's not that bad. I'd put it right around... Temple of Doom, maybe a little bit lower. But then again, I really like some parts of Temple of Doom. And I was then, about to say, I like Temple of Doom a lot. But then there's some weird, like, goofiness to it that I think is fun sometimes, but kind of detracts from the whole, let me rip your heart out of your chest. Yeah. Not to mention uh, the lady. Yeah. You know why she got that role, right? Actually, I don't. Uh, she was sleeping with the director. No. Oh. I, With the director or someone, or one hmm. of the producers. Okay. Fun fact. <laughs> I mean, we all know the best Indio Jones film. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is it, Bob? It's Last Crusade. Yeah, it is the Last Crusade. Last Crusade. <laughs> it's the best one. It's so fucking good. <laughs> I was going to say, Ark of the Covenant is close. Ark of the Covenant is good, but Last Crusade is incredible. But, uh, yeah, Last Crusade is incredible. Oh. Um, Sometimes also, I wish we weren't a horror movie podcast so we could watch Last Crusade. Also, uh, weird thing watching Crystal Skull. Mm-hmm. The beginning of Dial of Destiny takes off, like, with Indiana Jones being in a weird position. Like, he's in New York teaching at this weird college. Yeah. Not sure which one it is. I think, like, New York State or something. But that kind of fits, like, where you'd expect Indy to be at the beginning of Crystal Skull. Yeah. Like, he says he gets fired, and he's like, I'm just going to go to New York, and then I'm going to fly over to Europe and get a job there or something. Mm -hmm. Except by the end of that movie, he's associate dean of his very, very fancy college. Hmm. So I don't know how he ended up where he was. They might have just... Well, no, because they mentioned... Exactly. And also, Indy fucking loaded. We see his house for half a second. It is like a mansion. And he's got a shitty apartment at the start of Dial of Destiny. It makes sense, too, because he has all his, like, books and relics there. And he doesn't have any of his shit or anything else. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could be like, yeah, his wife took it in the divorce, but that's not how <laughs> that's not divorces how that works. work, especially in 1969. No, absolutely not. And he has also, he hasn't even signed the divorce papers. Yeah. They're not even divorced yet. Yeah. Also, I kind of hate that they left it open-ended at the end of Dial of Destiny when he took his hat. They're like, ooh, make another one. It's like, fuck you, don't make another one. Well, just he said he's not going to do another one. I, I guess my point is, I wish they had just, well, A, left it at the last crusade. But if you're going to leave it anywhere, leave it at... Uh, Crystal Skull, because it still feels like an Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. And even if you don't like Henry Jones the Third, what you do is 
A, it's kind of shitty to kill them all. Yeah. I'm just saying. But He died in Vietnam. Yeah. Such a shitty way for that character to die. Oh, yeah. But what you do is you don't kill him off. You just don't mention have him. him have a kid Oh, when he's really young. Then you can kill him off. So then there's, like, another Indiana Jones, and then just set films in, like, the fucking 80s. Oh, Indiana Jones in the 80s would be so baller. Exactly. Are you kidding me? That way you me? can have a different actor take over and stuff. Oh. Like, that would have been the way to do it. Because now they're just like, well, the line's dead. <laughs> Where oh. you just cast a different actor as Indy and just set it further back. Yeah. Like, I would have just loved to see the first 15 minutes as a full movie. I don't necessarily like the whole CGI face stuff. It didn't actually look that bad. It did, but it didn't real. look that bad. Um, It's it's a little, there's some, a little Uncanny Valley. Yeah, a little bit. Like with some of the lighting stuff. But I still think I would have preferred that over what I got. Additionally, I guess my point is, like, I would have been okay if they just casted a different indie actor. Mm-hmm. And then had like the whole film be set in the past for like Indy telling a story. That'd be and cool. You have the stuff in the past with the different actor. Mm hmm. And then maybe just have uh, Harrison Ford for like the present moment stuff. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Just because like the main problem with that film, I think, was Indy couldn't do a lot of stuff. Mm hmm. Because Harrison and I felt Ford that. is like 87. No, he's, he's 81. He's ancient, bro. He's 81. I'm going to be really sad when he dies. He almost died like when we were like eight. I know. Or like twelve in that plane accident. Mm-hmm. On the same day as Spock. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Spock died that day. Oh god. It was almost like a double whammy for nerds. That would have sucked, man. Alright, are you ready to start this podcast? Yeah, man. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this convention prep episode of Beware the Board, a horror podcast where we watch a randomly selected horror movie every week. I'm Bob. And I'm Ben. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to leave all that in. Oh, okay. And th- the intro just happened. So, oh, okay. We talked about Indiana Jones for a minute. Well, you heard we might it. get flamed up for my controversial opinions on Indiana Jones. That's fine. That's fair. Um, we don't get to talk about stuff like that a lot on the podcast, so I think I will just yeah, leave that in. Yeah, it's fine. I, I'm not sure where I'd rank them all. I don't either. But, like... I think I'd have to rewatch Dial of Destiny not in the theaters for like a second time. Yeah. To do a good comparison. I'd have to watch it without my dad um, being present because my dad was just busting a nut the whole time. But he like, loves Indiana Jones though. There was some issues with the films and I'm not sure like which one I like better. Having seen both recently, I think mm-hmm. I may be leaning towards Crystal Skull. Like cuz there was like some actual tomb skulking, which was fun. Yeah, man. Yeah. We didn't get to really see any of that. <sighs> yeah, that's fair. And, like, the thing we got... And there was no snakes? No. I was upset. There were sea snakes. Stupid CGI eels? That was bad. I didn't like that that part. Just a lot more Or the part with the fucking... With the the bugs. Didn't care about that either. I thought, like, the puzzle thing was pretty cool. Like, in the the actual tomb. That was interesting. (sighs) Yes. I did enjoy uh, the obligatory blonde-haired, blue-eyed Nazi man, though. I mean... He was funny. Yes... Also, Mads Mikkelsen does a good job being that villain. Okay, Nazi, fine. I my favorite part though are the Nazi cosplayers. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. Yeah. My big issue though was the simple fact that he totally should have died in like 1945. Yep. There, I don't know how the fuck he survived that. He got hit by like a a big piece of metal, like a metal I beam, going like 60 miles an on hour on a train. 
He should have been split in half. We should probably have given a spoiler warning. And then you can just do it at the beginning of the episode. <laughs> okay. They heard it. It was you went, <laughs> we're going to start this episode talking about Indiana Jones. Yeah. You put that right there. Spoiler warning. Anyways, yeah, he totally should have been chopped in half. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew he was going to be the Nazi villain because he was the only other character there that was, like, de-aged. Sure. So it just made sense. I assumed it was going to be some man somehow tied to that man. No, I was just like, ah. he was de-aged and also the biggest actor there. That's true. Besides Harrison Ford. Yeah. But like, you know what I mean? Uh, but the de-aging thing really gave it away for me. Honestly, I didn't even notice. Oh, I was just looking for it. Fair enough. Because I was like, probably. Well, I didn't know any of like the trailer stuff, so I didn't know who the villain I hadn't was. I had either. Really? I was just like, I'm really, I'm pretty good at spotting like weird CGI stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm training my eyes to do it. <laughs> but like, he was de so I knew it would come back. But it was just super weird because, like, he just flat out died. And then yeah. he comes back, and he has no visible wounds. I ex- I expected some scars on his face or something. At the very least, well, because it looks like he gets shot, right, in the face. Yeah. With, like, what was that, an AA gun? Something mm-hmm. like that. But the real big thing for me is I thought he would at the least have, like, a cane or something. Yep. Because of, like, broken That's back or something. A fuck- he got fucked uh, up. But no, perfectly fine. Literally fine. Also, the big guy in the film. I love seeing a big guy in Indiana Jones film. Yeah. Disappointing death. Yeah, big guy had a... Dis- well, disappointing death, but creative. Yeah, creative, but in the lamest way possible. It, yeah, it was very lame. It was also a, a kill. I'm going to say this right now. It's a kill that Indy still could have done, Yeah, which would have been nice to see because mm-hmm. I think that's like the only way Indy could get away with killing that big guy. Oh, yeah, that with big gun. guy. Is um, insane, and so the fact that he didn't get to do that kind of sucked. And you know, the character who did that was, I think, the weakest in the movie. Fair enough, man. Because like his only purpose was to uh, be there at the ending to facilitate the end, the the end of the film, um, which is insane. Basically, the wrap up. Not even the he didn't facilitate the conclusion. No, he was just there to like make sure everything wraps up in a bow. Basically, mm-hmm. he was the transportation home. Yeah, and he did not need to be the transportation home. Could have been literally anyone. Literally anyone else. It could have been that random guy in the plane with him. Mm-hmm. That was a weird thing that happened. That was a weird thing because that guy immediately starts flying afterwards. Yeah. And so it's like, what was your purpose? You were just in the plane, I guess. Okay. Uh, you anyway. to start. Yeah, let's uh, move on from Indiana Jones. <laughs> I guess that's the thing we're talking about this episode. Yeah, it's going to be sleepaway camp in the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you ready? Yeah, Ben, what are we doing today? Uh, well, if you couldn't tell from my name right there, we're watching uh, Sleepaway Camp, which is super exciting because I love this film. I know you love this film. And you know what? I have uh, a controversial opinion. Not my opinion. I, just, I, I didn't say this. Don't flame me for this. Uh, Jesse said it's mid. <laughs> Jesse went, actually, I don't even know if he said it's mid. I think he straight up said it was bad. I, I thought I respected Jesse as a person I, You his know, movie opinion. <laughs> but that is a that is a bad, bad opinion. Because, like, look, this is a cult film, so it's one of those films that was, like, panned upon review by, like, critics. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it has a cult following now. Because, like, there's some issues with this film. I'll say that. It's a, it's a little bit funky. And so if you're being, like, super critical from, like, a film critic's role, I can understand giving it, like, a not-so-great rating. Sure. However, if you're able to, like, just accept that this is an eccentric movie, it's great. Okay. Like, it's it's really good. Before we get into the actual, you talking about the film and whatnot, yeah. I will say, I told you I had some uh, news. I'll save that news. I have different news, but this has to do with boobs. 
Yeah, I don't give me a weird look. I'll exp- I'll explain in a second, okay, man. I, I trust me, it's not weird. Darcy, who you know and I know from yeah. Joe Bob's Last Drive-In, I follow her on Twitter. We've been over this thing. She retweets p- pictures of naked women on my Twitter feed. You know what movie came up? This movie. I saw uh, boobs from this movie already on accident. I was just going through Twitter, and okay. she was like, "Sleepaway Camp." I was like, "God damn it!" Do you know anything about this film? No, the fact that it's a sleepaway camp. Sleepaway camp. There are boobs in it, and Felissa Rose is in the movie. Okay. Those are the only things I know. You see miffed. No, I'm just trying to remember who's naked in this film. I think it's only one character. Well, I saw her. Fair enough. All right, you ready? Yeah. Anything else? Okay. No, nothing else. Uh, 14 Sleepaway Camp. It came out in 1983. The description. You ready? Mm-hmm. Dear Mom and Dad, you won't believe what happened at Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> okay. Uh, That's pretty good. Like It's an hour and 24 minutes long. It's rated R. Review scores. IMDb gave it a 6.2 out of 10. It's not bad. Tomato meter, 81%. God damn. Audience score, 60%. Okay, let's fucking go. All right. I'm excited for this one. Not only because you love it, but because this is our first foray into the camp slasher genre. I guess We it haven't is. done yeah. any like camp movies yet, and this is our first one, so I'm very excited. That's a fair point. I we'll eventually get to Friday that. the 13th, but uh, I mean, not eventually. Soon. Eventually. Who knows when we'll get to that, though. I don't know. That's one of those ones that I'm excited for because I know a lot of people like see Friday the 13th as like their favorite slasher franchise. You mean me? <laughs> you are one of them, but I mean a lot of people, for a ton of people. Well, I mean out of the like the big slasher franchises, there's what? Uh Chucky which or Child's Play, you know. Yeah. Uh which is good, but it's kind of like its own thing. It's not necessarily super similar to like a traditional slasher. Sure. Uh there's Nightmare on Elm Street, which I like the first one a lot. You seen the first one? Mm-hmm. Just the first one? Yeah, just the first one. And Freddy vs. Jason. I've seen Freddy vs. Jason yeah. as well. Uh, and then there's Halloween, which I like, which is okay. I like one, two. I th- I think I'll one, two, and four. Yeah, but let me put it this way: there's a bunch of movies. There are a bunch of movies, and um, you can't just judge it on the best ones. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? I wish I could. I wish I could. And then you can maybe consider Leprechaun. I don't want to consider but those Leprechaun. aren't good. <laughs> no, we've only seen the first one. It's not good. I'm dreading when we go back to it. <laughs> uh, you liked it so much when we watched it, though. Well, I did. Look, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, but in hindsight, I'm just going, God damn, I don't want to watch another <laughs> I one. I don't of those. know. You kind of hyped it up, and I was so done. You were pissed the whole episode. Not good. I know. It's a bad movie. I know. It's cheap, but in a not fun <laughs> way. You could be cheap and fun. Exactly. All right. You ready for notable actors? All right. Felissa Rose as Angela. She played Kathleen and Victor Crowley. We just saw her. <laughs> yeah, I, we I did. She's in a bunch of stuff. She's in so much stuff, man. She's one of those actors who like did a horror role and has just embraced that like that's what she's known for. And it's great. You see her in a bunch of like cult films. Jonathan Tierston as Ricky. Uh he played John Dosey in The Perfect House. Um if you're curious, he does a lot of music stuff. Oh, that's cool. So you might look him up afterwards, Bob. Oh, okay. Good to know. I don't know if it's your type of music stuff, but like that's what he's done a lot of outside of acting. Okay. Uh, Karen Fields as Judy. That name is familiar. It probably shouldn't be, because she was really only in one other thing, which was a short called Judy. Oh, I don't know Judy why that name Judy. is familiar to me. Christopher Collette as Paul. He played Paul Stevens in The Manhattan Project. Uh, interestingly enough, he also does some voice acting. Oh, okay. I was like, let me see if there's anything Bob would know him as, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was like, maybe Bob knows him from something. And I, I was looking, and I was like, oh, he's in Pokemon. Oh! Like the animated series. Yeah. And I was like, 
I wonder how many like stuff he's in for uh, Pokemon. And let me pull up the exact amount because I didn't write it down because I was like, that's is it an absolutely insane amount? Yeah. Okay. I think the big character he he's known to play is uh, Stephen Stone. One of the is that a gym leader? I think so. I didn't really watch a ton of like Pokemon. It's later stuff because he's been on there from like 2000 to uh, 2022. Oh, uh, see, I watched a lot of early Pokemon, but nothing like recent. Fair enough. That's also when we were in the age range. Collected a ton of cards when I was a kid, like a metric fuckload. Now, I I didn't write it down because I he's only listed for like three roles. Like if you you click on him, yeah, he only comes up for um, Steven Stone, Shrine Guardian, Manning Crowd Two. Nice. Which is objectively not a lot, but he's credited for 644 episodes. Oh, so my I'm God. So I'm not sure what he does on that show, like, specifically. He might do Pokemon noises. He might do Pokemon voices and, like, voice acting for a lot of, like, smaller characters. Side stuff, yeah. But, yeah. God bless. 644. That's a fuckload of episodes of Pokemon. Like 200 or so less than, like, Ash. Jesus Christ. So I thought that was cool. That is cool. All right, moving on. Uh, we have Mike Kellen as Mel. I uh, played Mr. Hayes in Midnight Express. Catherine Cammy as Meg. Uh, she was the mother and the occupants. Paul D'Angelo as Ronnie. Um, I thought this was pretty funny. He also played Paul D'Angelo in Waitress, <laughs> which I believe is a trauma film. Okay, that's funny. Thomas Evandell as Mike. Uh, he played in Jerry in Under the Bed. Desiree Gould as Aunt Martha. She played Nurse Maylard in Tales of Poe. And then finally, Robert Earl Jones as Ben. Now, does that name sound familiar? No. All right, well, first of all, he played Luther Coleman in The Sting. Um, he, he's done a bunch of acting stuff. But he's also, and this is why it should sound familiar, uh, James Earl Jones' father. Oh! I was, you, you know what I was thinking? I was like, who is that name is really familiar? James Earl Jones, that's why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And uh who's James Earl Jones, Bob? Uh Darth Vader. And? Oh, I don't know anything. I don't know he just does Darth Vader. Sorry. Stroke. I know he does Darth Vader, that's about it. Simba. Oh, I forgot yeah, the original <laughs> voice of Simba in the Lion King. Yeah. Not Simba. He's the dad. Or yeah. What is it? Not Mufasa. Is it Mufasa? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, it is. I got Scar Mufasa mixed up for a second. <sighs> All right. Uh, writer and director's uh, Robert Hiltzik. He really hasn't done anything else. I feel like a lot of these movies, older movies that we watch, they're like classics. Like a lot of the actors I don't know and the director I don't know because they do like this one thing and it's incredible and they don't do, do anything else. Yeah, well, it happens. I heard he was a student when this film was made, but I don't know about that. Like still uh, in film school. That's crazy. But I'm not sure. So don't quote me on that. I'm not going to quote you on it, but I'll believe it. Sure. He did direct the one of the sequels. Oh, um, that's cool. But only one of them. It's the most recent one. The most recent one? Well, yeah, Bob. There's always a most recent one. Huh. That's how films, that's how multiple films work. No, I know, but like, when you say most recent one, I, I, this came out in 1983. So most recent is a big wide range where it could be. But like. Yeah, but it could also be 1984. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how many, I assume there's more than one of, more than two of these. There is. So yeah. That's just interesting to me I, that you, I can tell you how many there is if you want, but well, I just you know I feel like that's maybe a spoiler because we're probably gonna watch them all at some that's point. That's fair. Yeah. So I didn't want to leave it vague. All right. Uh, budget's estimated at three hundred and fifty thousand. <sighs> Pretty awesome. good. Awesome. Uh, country of origin, United States. Tagline: You won't be coming home. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so the movie was shot in upstate New York over a period spanning five weeks, starting in September of 1982. Okay. Specifically, uh, filming took place in Argyle, New York, uh, near Summit Lake at Camp Algonquin, uh, which I don't think is there anymore, but that was attended by the director as a child. Apparently. Oh, okay. That's cool. And then, yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's all I got. Isn't that where you uh, went to that wedding? Upstate New York? Mm-hmm. You could have you could have murdered up there, sleeping in those cabins. I could have murdered up there. <laughs> no, been murdered, not murdered up oh, there. Well, I could do both. Oh, okay. Jesus. The killers don't always survive, Bob. Most of the time, they don't. They should all die in a fire explosion, like Michael at the end of Halloween Two. Because, except, except it doesn't. He came back. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Is that what you got? Yeah. Unless you want me to mention convention guests now. When I'm gonna be really honest, this is like 19 or whatever of these. I don't remember when we we usually do that. I think it depends when we feel like it. You know what? We'll do it right now, but so, so we, we don't, don't forget. forget. Yeah. All right. Christopher Colette. Okay. Felissa Rose. Nice. Karen Fields. Okay. You know who that is, right? We just kind of went over. Yeah, this. yeah. We just okay, went cool. over it. Catherine Cammy and Thomas E. Vandell. It's a lot of people. Yep. Let's get to it. All right. We'll uh, see you guys in a minute. Hi everybody, welcome back. We just finished watching Sleepaway Camp. You had a good time, Bob? Yeah, it was it was good. I had <laughs> I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot more than I was expecting to. Oh like, yeah. It's funny. It's a fun film. Yeah. A lot of uh fourteen year olds cursing like sailors. And it's oh yeah. So funny. And it's a little bizarre, like I said. I don't even think it's that weird. There is some bizarre, bizarre choices made sometimes. Sure. For li- especially acting. Well, and that's line fair. line delivery. That's fair. There are some great lines. All right. I'm going to get into the description, though, before we talk about any of that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Sleepaway Camp. It's a, it's a pretty basic premise here. It's about a bunch of kids. They go to a camp. Slowly, people start dying. Yep. And the film is primarily kind of like a whodunit mm-hmm. uh, because the while we do get to see a lot of the kills... They are POV kills, a la Black Christmas. Yep. And Michael Myers and other <laughs> slasher movies at this point. And that allows the film to be, again, a whodunit of like, who's the killer? And, you know, we're giving hints throughout, and you can try and play a, like a, an investigation game with your yeah. friends while you watch it. Um, but it's it's kept as a secret up until, I'd say, like the final moments. But yeah, that's that's basically the whole movie right there. Yeah, I mean, it's not much deeper than that, for real. The only thing I think that's worth mentioning is we follow, like, a pretty small cast of characters. Like, yeah. there's a bunch, a bunch of kids at this camp, but we're following oh, fuckload a couple. And, like, the most important people at camp. So, like, Ricky, Angela, Paul, Meg, Judy, Mel, Ronnie. Ronnie. That's Basically a, that's the named it. characters. Yeah. There are some named side characters that are around to do funny things. But those are kind of the ones you see the most. Like, I enjoy Gino. Gino's funny. But, yeah. I... We'll leave it there for the description again because there's not much to it. Like it, it's there's a there's a good amount to it, but like that's the plot overall. Yeah, I, I am gonna recommend you go and watch this movie like unspoiled mm-hmm. or at least for as sure unspoiled as you can. A because the plot's pretty simple and it's like a whodunit, but also because like it's pretty fun. And if you it haven't seen it, go watch it. Yeah, I think it's great. A lot of the surprises like what happens at the camp. 
I guess if, if that makes sense, like seeing the kids react to different shit yeah. and do funny things because they're kids. Yeah. It just makes it enjoyable. All right. On that note, though, uh, we're going to start talking about the movie. So, like, heads up for general spoilers. Yeah. Uh, we will get to a part where we're, like, talking about the, the end. The end end. Uh, and we'll give you a warning for that. So if you're okay with hearing, like, general spoilers, stick around for now. Because um, we'll give you a warning when we're talking about, like, major spoilers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. Do you do you want to talk about something specific, or do you just want me to start with like my points I want to talk about? And we then... can start with your points and then work from there. Okay. So I think I just mentioned this, but like one of the first things I want to touch on is how bizarre this film is, and the things that really stick out to me are line deliveries. The first one and the most obvious we see in the film is Ricky and Angela's. I'm just gonna say mom. It's it's Ricky's mom, Angela's like aunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, she acts like an alien. She's strange. She's so weird. She's a strange, strange woman. And it happens right at the beginning, but it, it really does prepare you for a lot of the lines in this film. And it's just, oh yeah, it's so great. It's, I think it's one of the the funniest parts of this film. It's just some of the weirdly, not just weird, but like some of the quotable lines, but then just said in the most over the top way. Yeah, I I've told Bob a lot of times. I quote. I quote things from this film a lot, and I don't, I can't do it in front of Bob, but now I can. It's true. Now I've seen it. But it's, it's not just, like, line stuff. There's also just a lot of stuff happening in the camp that is, like, understandable to happen in a summer camp, but is also just, like, kind of bizarre to include in the film. Like, there's a whole sequence where a bunch of kids just play baseball, and that's normal in a movie, except there's multiple dissolves. And then they come back to still playing baseball uh, to show that a lot of times passed. And I think the whole baseball sequence is like a good five minutes or so. Yeah. And it's entertaining. Oh, it's funny. Uh, because there's good lines in there. Oh, my God. It's funny. Probably one of my favorite comebacks of all time is the eat, shit, and die. Yeah. Which is responded by to eat, shit, and live. It's great. It's so funny. One of those things I like to quote. I think I've literally heard you say that before. You have. Because I, I think know you told me to eat shit before, and I said, I, yeah. eat shit and live. And there's, like, just a bunch of stuff like that, where it's like, this makes sense at a summer camp, but it's not something I necessarily include in a movie. Okay, I will counter you with this right now, because I think, while, I, while you're right, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> I know I am. But it absolutely works for the way this film is set up. It does. It works for, that's the thing, all this bizarre stuff, Totally fits the tone of this film, which is, like, this kind of unique, almost Twilight Zone-esque, like, feel to everything. Yeah. Everything feels so real but so fake all at the same time. Yeah. And it's great. I love it. It's part of what makes this movie so good. But it's just bizarre. Like, at one point, there's a bunch of kids having a water water balloon fight. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, on the roof of a cabin. <laughs> I was about to say, they're not in a normal location. <laughs> I literally cut to it and I go, are they on a roof? <laughs> Just casual. And like, no one questions it at all. No one cares. At one point, the kids get yelled at. Not for being on the roof of the cabin, throwing water balloons, but because throwing water balloons at people could, could like poke their eye out. Yeah, that's the problem. That's the problem. So, I, I mean, I think that's just, it's so, like, you can tell the writer was like, I went to summer camp. This is the shit that happened there. Yep. But at the same time, 
maybe shouldn't have included that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the type of shit that happened in my summer camp. Oh, yeah. Like, kids got in trouble for doing dumb shit like that all the time. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Which I think is a great, like, stepping off point into, like, the other really, really great part of this movie. And that's the fact that, unlike most films, the kids in this film are actual kids. They're not just, like, 18, 19, early 20-year-olds that are acting like, you know, 16, 17-year-olds. But, like, legitimate children. These are, like, 14-year-old kids. Yeah, most of the kids we focus on are 14. Uh, there's occasional 16, 17-year-olds that mm-hmm. are also, like, around. Centered. But then there's also, like, a bunch of, like, little kid extras running around. Yeah. Like, 8, 10-year-olds and stuff. And then, like, the 20, 20, early 20 counselor people. Yeah. And then old man Mel. Yeah, everyone is the age their characters actually should be in this situation. Yeah. And, first of all, it's great. Mm-hmm. I understand why most films don't do that. There's, like, some logistical issues and legal issues shooting with children and also, like, you can't necessarily always expect them to do good, like, line deliveries and everything. Yeah. But it really sells that this is an actual summer camp. Oh, yeah. Like, this movie would not be as good if these were, like, very clearly not children. Mm-hmm. But the best part of all this is that all these kids behave like actual kids at a summer camp. It's awesome. The way they talk, the stupid shit they do, it's so reminiscent of actual stuff you'd see at like a sleepaway camp i mean bob you went to sleepaway camp right oh yeah i did the way these kids talk and absolutely the stupid shit they do is totally every stuff. other line is one of them telling someone to eat shit or fuck off ricky s- spews curse words but it's in the most i'm a 14 year old and i'm trying to fit as many bad words into this little sentence as i can yep. kind of way oh yeah and it's great it just it captures the feel of going to a summer camp It absolutely does. I think the best way possible. And it really does make the parts of this movie that aren't just like a whodunit killing scenes super fun to watch. Mm -hmm. I so like I have the experience of going to a sleepaway camp, you do. So I'm not sure like how much of that is like personally vibing with me and how much of that is just like these are actual little kids, but I I think it works in both situations. Yeah, I think so. It's it's so good. It's such an accurate portrayal of both kids and Summer camps like that. Oh, yeah. Next thing I want to talk about is the musical score and stuff for this movie. Yeah. It's good, right? Yeah, it's interesting. It's very different than what I expected. I said it right when the the intro comes on because it's like they pan and they show the summer camp, which I think is a really good way to do the opening credits because, you know, back in the day they still had to show those before the movie. And I think that idea to show the whole summer camp in these, like, slow panning wide shots is really good because it establishes the scale of the place. Yeah. And so you don't have to be like, where is everything? Mm-hmm. When we're just, like, actually following characters. Yeah, it's a really good way to show us the, uh, like, to show us the environment we're going to be experiencing throughout the entire film in a really quick, easy, and accessible way. Yeah, so it's subconsciously in your mind mm-hmm. when you're watching scenes later. But over that, they're playing, like, the main kind of dramatic score. And I love it. It's like a big orchestra kind of thing. Uh, and it really reminds me of, like, an old-school suspense film. Mm-hmm. What did you say it reminded you of? Uh, I said it reminded me of the music from uh, House on Haunted Hill. Yeah. Very I mean, much in the same vein. That's kind of what I was feeling, like something from the, the 50s or at least a black-and-white kind mm-hmm. of suspense film. Yeah. Like Hitchcocky, and It's really good, and it's not necessarily what you'd expect from a film like this. Cause like, no, not at all. First of all, we mentioned the whole weirdness, but it also just has, like again, kind of a low-budget aesthetic. Not yeah. low-budget, but almost like amateurish kind of yeah. feel not in a bad way but it's just not 
in the way you'd expect it to have like a whole like legitimate orchestral score. Like you'd expect, I don't know, synth, especially because it's the late 80s. I expected synth on God. I was waiting for the synth when the movie started. So to get this very classic score is, is really good and it's really different. It's it's honestly really refreshing in a very different way. Because when you look at stuff like same era, Halloween 2, mm-hmm. synth. It's they take the original Halloween score and they put the synth over it. And it's really cool and it, it fits the 80s. But this is refreshing because it's not that and it's what you expect coming in. So it's also it's cool. A lot more upbeat, this like the synth stuff. Yeah, which I don't think would work in this film. This is oddly foreboding. Yeah, which works because once again, the, all the killer stuff is POV. Yeah, and so the most you see of the killer for like the whole movie is like a hand or two. Uh huh. And the foreboding dramatic music really makes those slow like unseen kills so much more suspenseful. Yeah, and like on the edge of your seat. Because mm-hmm. can you imagine if that was like fast like synth music it would have had to have been a lot more violent yeah which i don't think would have worked i wouldn't want though yeah i wouldn't either because like look i'm not gonna not gonna lie spoilers here kids get murdered oh yeah fuck them kids fuck them kids (laughs) as ben likes to say and like this is something child murder is a much more unacceptable topic than adult murder oh yeah it sucks so the fact that they make all these kills super slow and foreboding and ominous and they're not like violent, murderous kills, it's actually it works a lot better to soften the blow. That's not even like I think the thing I would have for the takeaway here. Oh really? It's more the fact that like because these kills of these children feel slow, they feel more brutal. Even though there's not like a lot of like on screen like violence, like you're not watching someone like take a hatchet to someone's face over and over and over again like you no. would see in a hatchet. Yeah. But you are watching these kids die, and because they're dying, like, slowly, it just feels, like, more horrifying. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, watching a kid get chopped to bits is not something I would have, like, liked, I guess. Like, it doesn't feel as good as watching these children get murdered slowly. Fair, I guess. I don't know how else to put that, but that's just something in my mind where I'm like, I don't want want to watch a kid get eviscerated, but I don't mind watching a kid get murdered slowly in a horrific way. That's fair, I guess. I just meant it, it, to me, it feels like spreading it out feels like the kills are more horrific for the victim. Oh, for sure. Oh, some of these deaths are fucking horrific. Yeah. I think we're both thinking of the same one. Yeah, dude. What the fuck? I couldn't believe it. I literally was like, you're like, what's happening? I was like, (laughs) ah! Which I think is a, a good lead into the kills and, like, the makeup stuff on them is all fairly impressive. Oh, yeah. Like, the kills in this, pretty unique. Oh, yeah. Overall. Oh, yeah. Especially some of them. And we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about maybe one or two here. Maybe. So, spoilers for, like, kills. Yeah. I don't think we're going to name who dies. No. But we're talking about mode of death. Yeah, and I think I'm going to talk about just two of them, because they're not, like, too big of deals. There's one I'm not going to talk about. Not going to talk about that one. Oh, really? Well, no. I think that one's cool, No, though. I'm not going to talk about this one. Oh, God. That one fucked me up. We can talk about this one. That Because that one's cool because, like... Sorry, guys. We'll, we'll, we'll talk we're about pantomiming. Yeah, it's really hard to just Visual coordinate jokes. with each other when we can't say anything. <laughs> All right. So, I guess we'll talk about three of them. So, sure. hi, everybody. This is future Bob coming at you to let you know that we're about to talk about the kills in this film and how they happen. Not necessarily who dies, but specifically the practical effects and how the kills occur. So, if you do not want any of the kills in this movie spoiled, please skip to 48 minutes and 24 seconds immediately. Once again, that's 48 minutes and 24 seconds immediately. 
Okay. Let's talk. We're not going to name names. No. But we will talk about them. Mm-hmm. First of all, first one in the movie, not a kill. Someone gets burned. Someone gets fucked up. And, Bob, how are you feeling seeing that? Look, it was fucking gross. It was grotesque. We've seen a couple of people get boiled in this mo- in a movie in this show. Halloween 2 coming up again. Someone gets boiled in that. It looks fairly impressive, like there's flesh and stuff. This guy gets, like, third-degree burns over his entire fucking body. Yeah, and he's screaming the whole time. And he's fucking flailing the whole time. And, like, you can see the, like, there's, like, parts on his cheek that, like, bulb in and out, like, pulsate. Yeah, it's it's third-degree burns, so he has blisters everywhere. Oh, my God, it's foul. And some of them have popped, uh, so there's, like, skin just hanging off. It's pretty great. Oh, uh, I think what they did there is some of it. I think is like, what's the really thin paper? Wax paper? Not wax paper. Like you used for packaging, um, like tissue paper. Oh yeah, I think it's some tissue paper that they've like kind of put down for like the skin, and then I think the the blisters might be something like latex balloons. That makes sense. Like a condom or a water balloon or something. Yeah. Okay. That they fill with like probably like a beige substance, Ugh. or if it's condom, that's already kind of beige. Yeah. And then painted. they glue that down. And then what I think they did is I think they got like Vaseline or something to get him on it, like to put on him to yeah. make him look like. I mean, he looks wet. Like he's oozing a little bit. He looks wet, gross, and oozing the whole time. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. That's like our our open kind of the movie. Yeah, that's one of like one of the first horrible things you see, and it's fucking horrific. It preps you. Did you gag? I think uh, you did when things started moving on his face. When things started moving on his face, I lost my shit. Because I was like, oh, just like watching blisters like pulsate and bulge on a man. I just can't do, man. Next one I want to talk about is there is a fake corpse at one point we get to see. Yeah, that was good. Primarily because something comes out of the corpse's mouth. <sighs> I'm sick of that. I don't like when that happens. Which is pretty fun. I always like to see that. But I will say it is probably the least good looking thing in the movie. Yeah, but it's still not bad. Mostly because like the fake head doesn't look super realistic. However, it is not bad, and fake heads are hard. Fake heads are really hard. And it, it does look like the person. Oh, yeah, It just looks for a sure. little off. And I I just want to bring it up because, like, while I'm going to applaud, like, most of the other effects, I do need to mention when something doesn't look great. Fair enough. Slightly objective here. But, I mean, they make up for that by something coming out of his fucking mouth. Oh, yeah, totally worth it. It's... And I think it, part of the reason it doesn't look good is because we're watching this in HD. We'll <laughs> Fair talk about enough. that later. Next one I want to mention is probably the coolest kill in the film. The bees. <laughs> oh, well, that one's good, too. Or that I guess one is good. Wasps. I think it's wasps. But someone has, like, wasps dumped on them. Yeah. In a confined like, space with a, a whole confined nest. space. Horrific. I don't think you realized you could die that way. No! I assumed you'd only die if you were allergic. No, if you get stung enough, because it's, uh, what? It's, like, venom? venom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I didn't know you, like, how many you needed to die. But, I mean, that guy definitely got stung enough to die. I mean, there were, I would say, probably at least a thousand on his body. And they're all, like, detailed and gross and disgusting. It's foul. It's just absolutely horrific. And it doesn't take, like, it takes a good amount. But it's, you know, this was a big hive. It was like a head-sized wasp Oh, hive. yeah, it was a fucking massive wasp hive. Are you Googling how many wasps it takes to kill a man now? Yeah, so this thing, I'm not sure how accurate it is, says uh, it's ten stings per pound of body weight. Okay. Well, actually, that's a lot. Yeah. That'd take like 2,000 stings to kill me. 
But it no, but it says the average adult can withstand more than a thousand. No. Oh. But keep in mind they can sting you like three times in like a second. Yeah, because they don't die when they sting you like bees do. Anyways, Crazy. He gets stung to death. Awful. And it looks gnarly. It's I think gnarly. the best part is there's some like open sores from Ooh. where he's been like bit and stung. Yeah. You get to see a bee crawl out of one of them. Yep. Which is because I think they use real bees on this. It's another dummy. Yeah. But and there are bees all over it too, just, just crawling around, all over chilling. It. Best part though, some of those open wounds. Were you looking at no. what what they were made out of? Uh uh-uh. uh. I'm not sure if it's all of them, but definitely some of them. So I'd assume it's all of them. Just some of them look better than other raspberries. Oh, that makes sense. It's my favorite thing because it's such a, like, hey, it's in high def, so you can kind of tell. But it looks really good. It does look really good. It does look really good. And I, I think it's a good example of, like, achieving a lot with very little. Because mm-hmm. it's, like, such a an obvious thing to use. Yeah. Because it looks pretty close to, like, an open wound like that, kind of a blistering open thing. Mm-hmm. Yet it's, like, much more obvious than, say, like a an applicable silicon prosthetic. Yeah. Now, man, now you, I don't... Uh, raspberries have been ruined. <laughs> <sighs> Glad I ate that donut during the movie and not... I didn't wait to save I it. Got, I got Bob a raspberry filled donut. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. It's cool, though. It's cool, but... Like, they, you can just ugh. use stuff like that to achieve such good effects. Yeah. Shows good skill from, like, a, a makeup perspective. Bob, you can talk about the one you want to talk about now. Are you sure? You don't have to if you don't want to. That's the one I was talking. Yeah. Well, that one's cool. Okay, so there's a kill. Is that one you were thinking of? Yeah, because okay. I want to talk about this one for a very specific reason. Because, like, someone gets stabbed. Yes. But you don't actually... They get around actually showing having the person be stabbed by having the knife go through a surface and then into the person's back. Yeah, it's like a thin surface, and they stab through it. Yeah. And then drag it down. So you don't actually see it hurting the person's back, but you get to see the blood come out the other side of the wall. Super cool. Super cool way to show something like that while not having to do all the extra prosthetic makeup and stuff and, like, show the effect of getting a back ripped open. Yeah, because be, that's a very hard effect to achieve. Yeah, that, to As, make it look good. Especially with this budget. Because, like, $350,000 is a lot, mm-hmm. especially in 19, what, 83? Um, this was recorded in 1982, but, like, that's still a lot of money. However, doing, like, full-person, like, prosthetics like yeah. that is super, super expensive. And that's, again, it shows a lot of, like, forethought mm-hmm. from, like, a cinematography angle and also, like, a practical effects angle of, like, how do we get this shot with the budget we have? It's and also a good way to keep the killer hidden still, too. Yeah. And I, we're talking about how that one's done. I assume they just had him stab the wall. Yep. Drag the knife down. And then there was probably, like, a bag of blood, like, glued to the other side. Yep. That leaked through. Simple. And it looks good. But it looks good. Yeah. It's brutal as hell. <laughs> And then, um, as with all the kills, sometimes we don't see the victim die, again, for, like, shooting reasons. Mm-hmm. But we do get to see the after effects. And we do get to see the body afterwards. Yeah. It looks and it decent. has a good, like, a good stab wound down the back. It's great. Yeah. I just wanted to quote it, but that was a giveaway who dies. Ah, uh, yeah. That's <laughs> one of the, my favorite lines. Uh, mm, so good. <laughs> I don't even want to say good. It's ridiculous. It's the way the person says <laughs> it's it when the they way find y- the body. Yeah. Ugh. Ah, uh, it's so fucking obscene. Kind of want to say it. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, hint: if if we ever see another character name this on mm. any other film, it's true. From this point on, I'm going to say this line. You know, we could watch a movie that's exclusively about a character named that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God, that episode's gonna be full <laughs> of shitty jokes. 
No, I think the last one, because Bob isn't even thinking about it. Someone gets shot in the neck with an arrow. Oh, yeah, well, that one's awesome. That one's so fucking cool. Really cool. Just because it's super fast. And it's just like a frame of someone of an arrow, and then a frame of an arrow in the person's neck, and then they just go, and then die. It is awesome. Yeah, I thought you'd want to talk about that one. It's It's just so, like, that one is one of the ones that's, like, not brutal, but just, like, sick as hell. Yeah. Because it's like an instant death thing of, like, Fuck you, arrow in the neck. Yeah, it's, there's, most of the kills have a slow build up, and that one's just, boom. Bam. So that's pretty cool. All right, uh, we're going to go back to talking about other things. So. Yeah. Hey. Hi. <laughs> Hello. For you guys who uh, tuned out for a second. Yeah, you're back now. Hey. Hello. You're back. Okay, we just talked about, like, specific kills. Now, before we move on, I do want to mention the guy who does the practical effects. Oh, yeah, that's cool. I don't often get to like talk about practical practical effect guys on here. Yeah. Just because it's that's a harder thing for me to research, mm-hmm. especially because practical effects guys and like their stories behind stuff is one of like the big things you get on like Blu-rays. Yeah. It's kind of like the main appeal of buying Blu-rays at least oh. for me. And so again, I don't have access to those right now. I will at some point, but I don't right now. So it's it's hard for me to like mention those guys. And th- not mention the story behind how they do stuff without seeing that. But I am going to mention one thing really quick. And that's that the guy who does the practical effects in this movie is Ed French. Okay. Who we've actually seen doing practical effects on another film that we reviewed on this podcast. Ooh. In fact, it's probably one of Bob's favorite films. Can I guess? Because I think I know what the answer is. What? April Fool's Day. No. Oh, damn it. It is a holiday movie. It's not Leprechaun. Don't you dare say it's Leprechaun. Because I'll get really angry. That is in cranberry sauce. <laughs> oh, wait. Blood Rage? Yeah, he does the practical effects on Blood oh, Rage. Oh, man. What? <laughs> he also <laughs> has a cameo in Blood Rage. Oh, really? It's Bill. Oh, my God. He's Bill. Sh- quote, unquote, sugar daddy. Yeah, well, I mean, Bill's Bill's pretty great. Which means he did the practical effects on his own kill in that movie. Yeah. The Uh-huh. Man, if you haven't checked out Blood Rage, that is a funny episode. Not, not a good movie. Not a good movie. Hilarious episode. Fun to laugh at if you like kind of schlocky B movies. If though. you're into uh, a, an Oedipus complex movie, <laughs> that is the movie Don't for you. Spoil it. I look. That movie's fucking insane. Now, we've talked about you know good practical effects. I do need to mention a very noteworthy costume fail. So there's a character in the film. He's a cop. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Once at the beginning of the film, and once at the end. Yeah, because, I mean, of course, the police show up when people started dying. And I knew it was a funny bit, so I was like, (laughs) when we first saw him, I was like, Bob, look at his face. Yeah. Memorize it. We'll talk about it later. And we were like, "Uh, okay. Yeah, I thought he was like a famous man. He had a cameo or something. You thought I was going to talk about it, like, here. Yeah, I did, actually. But then he shows up again. I'm like, Bob, do you notice anything different? And uh, I need to explain this right now. Bob hasn't gotten a new prescription for his glasses in over five years. Oh, it's more than that. It's more than that. Six or seven? Since 2018. That's like five years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Almost. almost. I got a new prescription when I got out of high school. All right. Well. And I haven't gotten a new one since. Bob really needs to get one. So this is me shaming him on the podcast so he goes and does, <sighs> yeah, does it. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Look, Especially because we watch a movie podcast where being able to see detail yeah. is really important. It saves me. At some points. Sometimes it saves me. Maybe. Because I don't notice things. But I bring it up because very glaringly, 
This man has on the fakest mustache ever when he comes back the second time. Because he has a mustache, like a real mustache, yeah. in the first half it's of the nice movie. a nice mustache. And in the second half, it is so fake. It's like a two-part applied mustache. So it's like one half and then the other. <laughs> yeah. Really big, bushy thing. And it's black, which doesn't sound that bad, except this man has brown hair. Yep. He had a light brown mustache before. And this is like a jet black, bushy stash on his top lip. Took me like five minutes to notice. Oh, my God. I pointed out when the guy walks on the screen. He's like, do you see it? And I was like, of course Bob's going to get this. Because I, I forget he, had, he has bad eyes sometimes. Because I'm like, his eyes should be just as good as mine. Because he's wearing glasses. And he should keep up with his prescription. But also, it's just like... Does not match his hair color at all. And Bob goes, I don't know what's different. Is it a different actor? No. It's the same hair. Mm-hmm. It's, no, that's the same mustache. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't notice until it got a close-up, but I and went, And then eventually oh we God. get a really good close-up, and you go, oh. <laughs> fake mustache. It's so fake. But it's funny. And it's funny. And I, I just want to bring that up, because, A, it's, like, not great costuming there. But also... Do you know the reason that happens? Well, I assume the guy shaved his mustache. Yes. Do you know why, though? Uh, maybe they had to reshoot some stuff? Well, no. Well, oh. you wouldn't shave it to reshoot some stuff. Well, I'm saying they had to reshoot some stuff, but he had shaved his mustache, you know, because he thought they were done. Sort of. Uh, okay. Probably why it happened, um, and I don't know the specifics, but I can, I can take a pretty good guess, is people, uh, when they're actors, especially in smaller films like this, will be looking for different roles at the same time. That makes sense. And he probably got a role or was auditioning for a role where he didn't want the mustache. And so he shaved it. But remember, filming's taking place over five weeks, and they probably still had scenes for him uh, at the end of filming. Yeah. Because he comes back at the end. But they decide to, you know, shave his... He decided to shave his mustache in the intermittent time. And so they had to cobble something together. Which is not something you should do if you're in a film. You have to keep your... I mean, if I'm being Kinda real, same, but we watch, you've said this multiple times throughout the film. This was not meant to be viewed in HD. That is fair. It probably looks fine. Yeah, no, Bob. It's, it's, okay. it's so off-color. I tried really hard to give it some credit there, man. No, I tried, it, man. It, it probably looks better. You're right. It probably does that's, look that's better. That's the thing with older films like this is certain things that stand out as like not great probably looked better. When they weren't in HD, because these films were never meant to be seen in HD. But, you know, sometimes things are so noticeable. Yeah. That, like, it would have been harder to see, but if you had a a good eye, you would have been like, I think that's a fake mustache. Do you have anything else you want to mention before we start talking about the ending of this movie? Okay. Well, I assume the last thing we're probably going to talk about is probably going to be the ending. Yes. Right? Unless you, you you have no other talking points other than talking about the ending? Yeah, we're going to talk about the ending and, like, the killer and stuff like that. Yeah. But we'll give another spoiler section for that. So that'll be the last thing we talk about. Do you have anything else? We haven't really talked about any of, like, we talked about the acting a little bit. Look, it the acting in this film is not incredible, from like, but it fits the tone. It's all so weirdly over the top and wild that it fits the aesthetic of everything that else is go- everything else that's going on in the film. So it all works. Fair. Although I think some of the kid actors just act like real children. Yeah, and that's that's good. But I'm talking about specifically Mel. Yeah, see, the adult actors are just over the top. Mel. Ronnie is hilarious. Ronnie's great. Ronnie is... Bringing Ronnie it back. Ronnie is just 
a himbo. Yep. <laughs> he's just this big buff, like, how do you describe him? I don't remember. I think I you just said peak 80s Chad energy. Oh, yeah. He's just a peak 80s Chad, man. But he's just like a big ki- kind of like bodybuilder guy. Yeah. Like, he's always wearing a weightlifting like shirt. He's also always working out in the background of shots. Yeah. Just randomly and by himself. And most notably, and the way you could discern him as from anyone else in the film is, you know, this is in the 80s. So, like, all the guys are wearing really short shorts. Yeah. But Ronnie's are egregious. Ronnie is basically in his underpants. Like, there is multiple shots where you can see the whole outline of his dong. Of his dong. Insane. But he's not a sleazeball. He's actually pretty nice. No, he's nice. Ronnie's a good guy. I think he might be stupid, though. He is stupid. He's stupid and nice. Good combo. He tries. He tries. But no, like, I don't know. I just wanted to mention that, like, these are not master class performances. <laughs> but they're so fitting for everything that's going on in this film that it works and is really fun. Everyone sells it. I mean, yeah, Judy's a good example. Oh she my. sucks. She sucks. She's such a bitch. Wretched and I, person. I love it. She does such a good job, the actress, Karen Fields. Yeah. Great job. Yeah. Same thing, Ricky. Yeah. Well, Ricky's just good at slinging curse words, which is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Tiersten throws his all into just being a a really irate boy. (laughs) Come and fight me, you fucking pussies. Get the (laughs) fuck off that roof. It's so incredible. (laughs) Great. It's hilarious. Because I can imagine a 14-year-old actually getting mad about what's happening and telling him to come down there and fight him. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Yeah. It's all great. That's it. Okay. All right. So we're going to now talk about the ending. So, you know, spoiler warning. Bob will give you an actual one in a second. I'll give you another spoiler warning here. But after that, we're going to go straight into our recommendations. Yeah. Okay. Hi, everybody. This is Future Bob coming at you for the third time this episode. Not intentionally. This is just how the editing worked out and everything. But if you do not want any major spoilers about the end of this film or any other major spoilers like anything at all, please skip to an hour, 16 minutes, and 22 seconds immediately. Once again, that's an hour, 16 minutes, and 22 seconds immediately. All right. We're back. Man. We're going to talk about who the killer is here mm-hmm. and what happens at the very end of this film. Um, you know what I just thought about? I'm sorry. What? There's something that happens in this film that I just didn't, my brain didn't even connect. Okay. You can tell me what you just connected in a second. Okay. What well, has to do with yeah, you'll see. We'll okay. Talk about it. So first of all, I'm just going to talk about the Who Done It here. It is a very interesting film because they don't show the the killer's face, mm-hmm. um, but they leave a bunch of hints throughout the film for like who the killer is. And right off the bat, you can tell the killer's related to Angela and Ricky, mm-hmm. both because they're like the main characters of this film. But also, I'm not sure if you realize this, but all the people who died are people that like were fucking with Angela. Mm-hmm. And then Ricky got really pissed off at it. Yeah. Is that the thing you put together? Yeah. Oh, uh, right now? No, that's oh, okay. not what I'm talking about. Um, And so, like, you pretty much know off the bat, since we're focusing on these kids, and the people who keep dying are related to them. Yeah. The killer's probably related to them. I think for a little bit you thought it was the aunt. I said that. Yes. Yeah. I said that out loud. I went, that lady's weird. Maybe she's over here killing people. But I... I don't think so, because, like, obviously, we, we only see her at the beginning, really. No, but I just thought it would be really fucking funny. <laughs> it would be really fucking funny. It would funny. be so funny. Uh, not necessarily great writing. Could you imagine getting killed by that lady? <laughs> That's scary. <laughs> really funny. However, I'm just going to say right now, 
the very obvious like red herring killer here is Ricky. Yeah. And very quickly, uh, as we approach the end of the film, it becomes more and more obvious that the real killer is Angela. Yeah. But they do try really hard to sell that it's Ricky doing the killings. Oh yeah, they try. But I mean, I knew, I knew. Yeah. Um. But they, I think they do a good job selling it. I mean, like the back half is Mel getting super, super paranoid and Mel is freaking, freaking out, out that like it's a hundred percent Ricky. Yeah. And he's known for a bit, but he didn't stop him. I should have stopped him. He should have stopped him. Since we're in the mega spoiler section, he gets really, really mad. Because not you, Meg. Not you, Meg. <laughs> because uh, apparently, oh god, yeah, he was macking on one of the counselors, who's like, "I hope at least eighteen. She was at least eighteen. I think all the counselors are at least eighteen. You hope. I hope. She was really into it for yeah. some reason. Yep. Uh, and Mel's like, at least late fifties. He's an old man. Don't get it. But <laughs> she dies, and he's like. I should have known. I'm sorry, Meg. <laughs> so ridiculous. And I mean, he does, a, I think, a good job helping sell that red herring. Yeah. I mean, obviously, if you've seen a lot of slashers, you know there's always a red herring. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you already know that yeah. by now. Um, just from, like, common tropes of shows. But, like, part of what really sells it is at one point in time, they show the killer. Now... Once again, this film was never meant to be seen in HD. Yep. And so when they show the killer, you're not really supposed to be able to see who it is. And you're only supposed to see that it it vaguely looks like Ricky, but could maybe still pass as someone else. Specifically, it could potentially still pass as Angela. Mm -hmm. um, Because they do look pretty similar. However, if you watch the film in HD, it is so obviously Ricky. Like, you can straight up see his face and that he's kind of wearing a wig. Yeah. But his hair is still mostly the same. And I want to bring that up because, like, it kind of covers up. Like, it really sells the red herring now in HD more than it should have Yeah, that's back fair. in the day. Because they straight up show you, oh, there's the killer. Oh, it's Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Which I think makes the reveal at the end kind of weird because it's not Ricky. But I do think it's kind of, like, a benefit of this being in HD. I mean, I'm going to be honest. We talked about this. I need new glasses. <laughs> uh, that happened and I went, I don't know who yeah. that was. I, it, st- it starts to happen I'm like, I'm sorry, Bob. I'm just gonna let you know that this wasn't meant to be seen in HD because I was I was gonna like let it sell you and trick you into thinking it was Ricky again. And I was it, like, it, I don't know who that was. Bob can't see it. Yep. I went. I don't know. Vaguely, someone. But I I do think that's interesting of things kind of working in Hell, the favor of the movie now. It could have been Paul for all I knew. <laughs> Ronnie. <laughs> Not Ronnie. <laughs> Not Ronnie. Um, he might be my favorite character in this whole film. He's incredible. But I just wanted to mention some of that red herring stuff. There's also another really good one. That the killer's always using this knife. Yeah, that that is a good red herring, actually. And I think it's probably done on purpose, but we do see that same knife mm-hmm. earlier in the film. In the boys' cabin. In the boys' cabin. And we do see that Ricky knows where it is. Yep. It gets taken from some kid named Mozart who tried to stab another kid because they were pranking yeah. him. So, assumedly, like, I assume you'd be able to tell that that was the same knife mm-hmm. on VHS. So, you can see it multiple times later on. Yep. And so, you'd be like, ah, it's Ricky. But, no, it's Angela. And how that's revealed is um, throughout the whole movie, Angela's kind of had like a summer romance brewing with Paul, yep. who is like Ricky's best friend uh, at camp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's been a little rough. It has been rough. But I'm going to be honest, blame Judy. Okay, it starts okay. Because like when she first comes to camp, Angela doesn't talk to anyone mm-hmm. at all. Bob 
had no. some ideas about why don't say that why Angela wasn't saying anything. I was wrong, and then it's eventually revealed it's because of the trauma. Yeah, and you were like, oh. Yeah, can't believe I didn't put that together sooner. Well, I hadn't thought about it uh, because the cold open, we basically just get to see uh, a dad and two kids. I I guess they're twins, a boy and a girl, mm-hmm. like swimming at the lake, and a speedboat. Very specifically, a speedboat from this camp basically goes out of control and hits the boat with the kids and the dad on it, mm-hmm. and like one of the kids and the dad drown, and the one that survives is Angela. Yep, and so. You know, they don't tell you outright until, I think, like, halfway through the movie. Yeah, you learn it from, like, a throwaway line from, like, one of the other kids. It's implied heavily. It's also, like, one of the kids talks about, like, going to visit Ricky and Aunt. Uh, They name the aunt's Mm -hmm. name. I always forget what her name is. Yeah, one of the kids goes, like, I'm sorry about, I heard about what happened to your your family. I'm really sorry. And that was the moment where I went, oh, god Yeah, that's what I told you. I just meant, like, you can tell almost immediately it's Angela just from that cold open Mm -hmm. if you're paying a lot of attention. But it is, like, implied throughout. Like, the reason she's not talking uh, is because she has a lot of trauma. Related to the water and boats. Very specifically, this lake where the Mm -hmm. camp is. But anyways, Paul's, like, straight off the back. Kind of, like, the only one besides her cousin that's really nice to her. Yeah. At least from a kid. There's one counselor who's nice to her, too. It's Ronnie. Well, Ronnie and Susie. I guess there's two. Oh, yeah. Susie's nice, too. But Ronnie's, like, A, the head counselor, but also in charge of the boys. So he doesn't see her a lot. Mm-hmm. And then Susie has like a bunch of other girls she's in charge of, so she, she can't be around. All she the can't time. be around all the time. Um, but Paul's like the only kid that's trying to be nice to her, and so Angela opens up to Paul, and it's kind of sweet. But after a little bit, you start to learn that Paul's a little uh, forward. Yeah, uh, he tries to push things a little bit too far. Mm-hmm. And every time he does, you can tell it makes Angela really uncomfortable. Yep, uh, because you know consent's cool, kids. Mm-hmm. Ask before you do things. That's how it works, baby. So that's kind of like a little bit of a red flag and isn't helping things. But it seems like they're mostly okay. Yeah. Except for at one point, Paul pushes it way too far. Uh, Starts trying to like, I think, undo Angela's shirt. Yeah. She gets, she tells him no and gets super uncomfortable and leaves. And because Paul's upset, he ends up kissing Judy. Ugh. Because the whole time, Judy's been, like, the worst to Angela. Oh, my God. Just absolutely the worst. And when she notices that, like, Paul's paying attention to Angela, she starts trying to, like, get Paul's attention. Both because I think she doesn't like the fact that someone's paying attention to not her. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Because she is a diva. Absolutely. Which is super interesting because it's implied that she was not like that the previous summer. Oh, yeah. And then she just kind of, like, went through puberty. And now she's like, I can pull. (laughs) (laughs) I feel weird saying that, but like that's I think the no, that is exactly what happened. Because she she used to be steady with Ricky like the previous summer. But anyways, the other reason I think she's trying to, you know, get Paul's attention is she also just wants to be mean to Angela. Yep. And so she eventually can like convinces Paul to like start making out with her and stuff. Mm -hmm. And Angela sees, and also Ricky sucks for both of them. I like that Ricky's response is just give her the finger and go, fuck you. Well, Ricky, this is what, like halfway through the summer at this point? Yeah, Ricky's Ricky's over it. I'm done trying. You're a bitch. (laughs) So, you know, that kind of ruins things. But Paul's, like, trying to make it up to Angela. Because I think he's like, I kind of fucked up. Yeah. That was fucked. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. At least he feels bad. Yeah. I mean, I think he 
knew what he was doing was wrong. He just did it anyways. Mm -hmm. But eventually, Angela's like, I guess, meet me by the lake. This is like at the very end of the movie, and like all the killings have like pretty sped up. Mm -hmm. And um, we see them go into the lake, and you know, Paul's like, what do you want to do? And she's like, let's go swimming. Uh, Take off your clothes, because they don't have bathing suits. Mm -hmm. And then it cuts. And also, like, a lot of other kids have been skinny dipping. Very yeah. common thing that's been happening. Apparently, fun thing to do at summer camp, I guess. Uh, it is. Yes. <laughs> I never skinny dipped at summer camp. I absolutely did. I was not supposed to. <laughs> Definitely weren't. Nope. Anyways, we cut back at the end of the film, and we see Ronnie and Susie are, like, trying to search for Paul and Angela. Because mm-hmm. they're missing. Yep. And... Some other kids have been found dead, so they're like, we got to find all the kids so we can round them up, make sure everyone's safe. And they're looking on the beach, and Ronnie's flashlight goes out. So they have to slowly walk up because they see a figure there. And they're like, oh, it's Angela. Angela, are you okay? Because she's humming. And we get to see uh, Paul's just laying down in her lap, like his head's resting in her lap, and he's Mm -hmm. laying down. And then Angela stands up, and we see Paul's head fall down onto the ground. Because he's been decapitated. Yeah, what I realized earlier was Paul died. Yeah. I hadn't even crossed my mind. (laughs) That's what you realized? Yeah. Oh, oh. Okay. Well, Angela stands up. And right when she stands up, it cuts to a flashback. Yes. Oh, my God. And, Bob, I want you to know my heart was pounding because I was like, when is Bob going to figure it out? I don't think you figured out till the reveal. No, I figured out when in the flashback. I was just like, immediately. Jesus H. Christ. Mostly because I like the, well, yeah. We'll yeah, talk about so there's that. a kid. Uh, we don't see their face, but their head's wrapped mm-hmm. uh, because it's a survivor from the boating accident, and they got hit on the head with a boat. <laughs> with, a, with a very dangerous thing. Yeah, and it's the aunt talking to the, the kid, uh, basically about, like, we've adopted you and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, Angela, like, it'll be nice to have a girl around the house. Oh, Angela's such a pretty name. Don't you like that name? Peter. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the survivor of the boat accident was the boy, Peter. And so the ma- the aunt, Aunt Martha, oh, uh, because she already had a boy and she always wanted a little girl in the house, forces Peter to live his life, assumedly from what, like five or six? From a very young to age. To like 13, 14? Yeah. As a girl named Angela. Angela. And so when Angela stands up, she turns around and the big reveal is Angela is staring, standing there, like mouth agape. Covered in blood. Covered in blood. We hear this like weird moaning sound. The score is playing in the background, super dramatic. And then it pans out, and we see Angela's penis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which, uh, if you ever heard us reference that uh, Felissa Rose is called on by Joe Bob to be the penis expert. Yep. This is why. That's it. But yeah, it's so out of nowhere. It's out of nowhere, but it explains so much other shit in this film. Yeah, like they peter out hints throughout the film. Mm-hmm. First of all, it explains the cold open. Yes. I mean, obviously, you can explain the cold open in a way of, like, this is why Angela has trauma. Mm-hmm. But it now explains the importance of it, mm-hmm. um, especially because when you see the kid that's still alive, you only see the back of their head and the bottom of their hair is in the water. So you can't tell which kid it is, Yep, which is a weird shot in hindsight. It also explains there's a scene uh, where we get to see the kids again. And I don't know if you noticed, but they're looking at ch- each other, pointing at one another, and the camera spins. Mm. to imply like they're switching. I didn't I didn't catch that. That's good. There's other references to the fact that not only does Angela not swim, but she doesn't shower at the same time the yep. other girls do. 
and I, I want to note this because this is my read of this. It might be why Angela's kind of uncomfortable when Paul kisses her. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It explains why she doesn't want Paul to take her shirt off or, well, like, why she's being weird weird when Paul wants to be intimate. Because, well, I, I just figured Angela, I'm just going to call her Angela instead of Peter because yeah, that's I, how she is the whole yeah. time. Might not necessarily like boys. Yeah. And so she's trying to be friends with Peter because it's a boy around her age. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, trying to be intimate with her. Yep. And she's not comfortable with that. It also might explain why, throughout the movie, Angela stares at Judy. Yeah. For seemingly no reason. Mm-hmm. And my read for that is, I think she's probably attracted to Judy. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you read that the same way. Yeah, it makes sense. But there's a couple scenes, like, Judy gets out of the shower, and Angela's staring at her. Yeah. Just, like... It it makes so many of the small things in this film make sense. Yeah, like there's little implications I think throughout. It also is just like a it. what the fuck but reveal. It's such a what the fuck reveal. Not only like the face and the noise, but it honestly comes out from nowhere. No one expects the penis thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, I think for a lot of people, they consider this probably the most shocking twist ending in all of horror. Just because it's, it it's pretty crazy. It's so what the fuck. I, mm-hmm. I clipped the clip, uh, but you just opened your mouth and stared at the screen. Yeah, dude. Because you... It's not only the reveal that, like, Angela has a penis. Yeah. But it's the fact that they show it. It's the fact that they show it, but I was also just in a, what the fuck, her aunt did that to her? Mm Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. Yep. Fun, or at the very least, not so fun story about shooting the penis scene there. Oh. You know, originally they were like, why don't we have uh, Felissa Rose, like, strap on a strap on, and then just stand there. Sure, seemingly that could new. work. And then Felissa Rose's mom is like, "No, the fuck, you're not gonna do that." <laughs> okay, because I think uh, at Fair the time enough. Felissa Rose was like 13. Fair enough, right? Fair enough. Let's not do that to a kid. And so what happened is they got a guy from the crew to do it. No, oh. I, I I think he volunteered, but slowly as the shot came up, he started drinking because I think he realized what he was about to do, which was. Put on the mask of a little girl. Yep. Get naked and get filmed so people can see that. Mm-hmm. And he started to get um, less and less comfortable with the idea of doing it. Yeah. And so from what I've heard is by the time they got ready to shoot that scene, he was pissed drunk and just openly crying. Oh, my because God. Because he was just, like, so uncomfortable with shooting it. That's crazy. And as far as I know, the guy's, like, never come out. Because he's like just so such a bad time for him. I mean, yeah, like also ugh. it was cold that night. That's a, that's another issue here. Fair enough. Like I just meant like to sh- to shoot in the nude. Oh yeah, like oct like l- late October at in that New point. York in upstate New York. Yeah, not not a pleasant time. You know, and I just want to mention that because that that always sucks. I didn't think that our first dong would be in this movie. First ha- first dong Angela's hung on dong. Angela's dong. It's a good way to break it. Now, I think, before we move on to recommendations, uh, the thing that needs to be said here is that the one issue with this whole reveal Mm -hmm. is it's not necessarily a great treatment of transgender characters. No. And horror. Not at all. Not at all. Because, you know, part of the implication here is that Angela's killing people because she's transgender. Yeah. And, you know, you could also chalk that up to the fact that, like, it's trauma 
That's what from, I was going to say. From being forced to transition? Yeah, when you don't want to at all, but still portraying a, a transgender character as, like, a psycho killer isn't great and was also kind of a trope. Oh, I didn't know that. Not, like, a super common trope, but it did happen. There's a couple hmm. big horror movies where, like, the killer is, like, transgender. Huh. And it um, it's never, like, a great portrayal. And I, I think that's no. important to mention. However, that is, like, a product of the times mm-hmm. kind of thing. I mean, this is from the 80s, man. Yeah. And so, like, well, I think it is important to mention you also have to step back and try to, like, just still enjoy the film mm-hmm. if you have a problem with that. I mean, if you have a problem with that, that's that's fair, too, and that can ruin your experience of this movie. But, you know, yeah, it is important to talk about. Okay. You ready to do recommendations? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to welcome everyone back. Hello. Hello. All right, Bob, do your recommendations. Fuck. Okay. Let me, let me, th- hold on. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. If you are into slashers set in summer camps and you haven't seen this one, this feels like the one that you should start with. This is like, this is the epitome of the summer camp slasher. Well, in my mind. There's one other. Well, there is one other that we have not watched. Yeah. But this, for me, of the ones I've seen, which is just this one, it's great. Well, it's a summer camp movie called Sleepaway Camp. It's it's a Sleepaway Camp movie told Sleepaway Camp. Yeah. So on the nose. Oh, yeah. Um, So recommend for that. Uh, If you're into a whodunit, like who done it film great for that too it's very good i enjoy the fact that it's a who done it because i feel like it adds to the suspense which you wouldn't expect from a movie like this at least i didn't expect from a movie like this so i thought that was really fun third recommendation if you want to see a movie about like young like teen protagonists and like characters where they're the focus this is a fantastic movie for that i think all the kids do a really good job and they're really funny and they actually act like children and are like Kids that are cast at the age of the characters they're playing. So it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. It's also great for that. Yeah, I think those are my, re- my only recommendations, honestly. Okay. Lots of similar ones. If you want to see a like summer camp movie, like a sleepaway camp one, uh, this is pretty great. Uh, it's probably like one of the go-tos I would choose uh, if I'm like, I want to watch a movie set at a summer camp, at least in horror. Uh, especially because it has kid actors. And I think that's a good transition to if you want to see a movie especially a horror movie that stars child actors acting like actual children, this is a really good example of that. Getting good child actors is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it usually relies on the the director to make sure your children are acting like real people and not like paid actors. Um, but I think everyone does a pretty good job acting how shitty kids would act in summer camp. Oh, yeah. Next up, if you want to see like an 80s slasher, like a late 80s slasher, I think this is a pretty good example. I mean, it feels pretty... Pretty standard for a summer camp slasher, but just in general, I think it's a it's a decent slasher overall. Oh yeah. And then last but not least, if you're into that kind of like weird cheesy B movie aesthetic, this is right up your your alley. This is the cult movie. Mm-hmm. If you like that style of like horror movie, like cult classics, you'll probably like this one. If you already haven't seen it, you know, haven't already seen it. All right, rate it, Bob. Fuck. You can't start the recommendations and the review with a fuck. Because, look. Bob, speak. I really like this movie. Yeah. But. Yeah. It's not a perfect film. No. Not everyone will love it as much as I do. And also, the stuff I like about this film, I don't necessarily think was intentional. Exactly. In fact, I think it was very much not intentional. 
So it's like, I personally could give this a 5, and I really want to, but I won't. I'll bring it down, 4.5. Okay. Because, like, it is the epitome. It, like, it encapsulates what being in a summer camp as a child, as a 14-year-old, should be, and was for me at least, in such a perfect way, while still maintaining that, like, suspenseful, who done it horror vibe in like the best way possible i just like i enjoy it so much and also like most of the kills are creative and the practicals look pretty good usually and while there is some weird stuff that's like over the top or strange it fits the tone of the film really well and still maintains that sort of summer camp vibe so i don't really have any issues with it i think the only issues i have with the film are like some of the like Summer camp stuff is, like, maybe a little long. Yeah. But other than that, like, I really like this movie a lot. I think it's super fun. No, I mean, fair enough. I'm also kind of in a weirdly hard boat, right? Because I really like this film. It's probably one of my favorite horror movies, especially because I like slasher films, mm-hmm. and I like B-movies. Yep. And so it's a it's a great combination of both those things. Not to mention the weirdness of it makes it so quotable. I... Whenever I have the chance, it's like a little worm in my brain where the line pops in and I need, I need to say it. Um, <laughs> but there's there's objectively, like, a bunch of issues with it. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about some of the scenes go on too long. But just, like, some of the acting choices from the actors is just really bizarre. Uh, line delivery is the really big one because that shows through because some of the writing is a little over the top. Mm-hmm. And when you combine that with not always the best acting, like, objectively, you get these really interesting, like, lines. Yeah, some really uh, funny lines that I don't think are intended to be funny. It, it's what makes them so, like, quotable. Mm-hmm. But, you know. And I, I don't know. That's just kind of how I feel about the film. Like, overall, it's pretty decent, but there's a lot of, like, minor issues that add to the charm for me. But also, like, do take away from, like, how good this movie is. Like, from a more critical standpoint. Yeah, for sure. Additionally, like, well, I hate to say it, it's pretty generic. I mean, don't get me wrong. All the summer camp stuff is probably the best portrayed summer camp stuff you'll see in any horror film. Mm-hmm. And, like, the whodunit stuff is is pretty good. Pretty unique. I mean, I think overall the film's really great. But it's also just kind of a slasher summer camp film. Yeah. Which is, you know. Look, it's the only one I've seen. A so stereotypical for me, it's still thing unique, for a reason. man. Yeah, so it's 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 just like a mixed bag because like I really enjoy it, but it's it's kind of like iffy on how good it is as like a film. So I'm gonna give it. I've never seen you go this long before. Well, because I'm I'm between two ratings, you know. Okay. Uh, and I'm trying to decide if I want to be like more objective or I want to be nice. I think I'm gonna give it a four. Nice. Okay. Uh, and I was between a four and a three point five, because I think I think it meets expectations. Oh like, as yeah. a summer camp slasher film, and I do think like some of the really good stuff, like objectively, like the practical effects on the kills, mm-hmm. uh, their uniqueness, and also like the score and stuff, really does sell it to a three point five. Um, but I do think there's a there's a bunch of issues that kind of keep it from being like a better film. However, this film came out, you know over 30 years ago now and so we can look back on it 40 years ago ben no 
1983. Oh, 83. Yeah. 40, 40 years, years ago. ago. I keep thinking it came out in 1987. Why? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I think my brain's going, it's 1980 minus 3 instead of oh, it's 1980 okay. plus 3. Yeah, you're right. 40 years ago. And so I think at this point and this day and age, most of us look back on this movie as like a cult B movie. And that has its own context to like expect kind of the weirdness of this film. Yeah. And some of those weird line deliveries. Like you're not coming into this film looking for like a masterpiece. Like you're not like this is going to be a Halloween. You're like, no, this is going to be kind of campy and fun. Mm -hmm. A little bit funky and weird. And so viewing from that light, I'm going to give it a four. I, I think I definitely rate it higher for my own enjoyment. Oh, yeah. If I was doing for my enjoyment, I'd throw a f- this five. I'd, I don't know if I'd do a five just because, I like— I lost my marbles. I just—I think it's really great, but I do try to reserve fives for, like, actually perfect movies. No. I, I enjoyed this film so much. But I might—it's I might. It's 4.5, maybe five for just enjoyment alone. But we're going to leave it at a four for my actual review. Okay. Okay. Um, Respectable. We're going to go to the outtakes now. There was something I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. This is, but I don't remember what it was. Oh. I thought in my head, before we go to the outtakes, I want to mention something to Ben. It, it was it was mildly interesting. Oh, okay. I don't remember what it is, so forget it. We're going to go to the outtakes, and once we we stop this recording, you're going to remember. Probably. We'll, uh, we'll see you guys in a minute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the outtake section for this episode of Beware the Board. I hope you're enjoying our review of Sleepaway Camp so far. I really like this film. I think it's super fun. And quite honestly, one of my favorite films we've watched on the show so far. But if you do not want any spoilers from this outtake section, please skip to an hour, 32 minutes, and 25 seconds immediately. This first clip is our reaction to seeing Ronnie and his short, short, short shorts for the very first time in this film. My latte's already getting cold. <laughs> Look at these shorts! <laughs> Jesus Christ! This next clip is me figuring out why Ben loves this movie so much. I don't like that guy. I don't think you're supposed to, Bob. Also, you know why I think you like this movie so much, Ben? Why? I assume a bunch of kids are going to get murdered. <laughs> and you're always like, fuck them kids! <laughs> fuck them kids! Yeah, bro, I know. This next clip is our initial reaction to Judy being a wretched, wretched person. What a fucking cunt! <laughs> she was so, so mean! Yep, he didn't even do anything! This next clip is me and Ben talking about Ronnie being a nice guy and also Ricky saving the day. I've heard some people read that scene there as Ronnie feeding... Artie children? No, I think Ronnie... I'm, I'm pretty sure Ronnie is just a himbo and is not aware that Artie's a pedophile. Yeah, that's how I took it. I'm I just, think Ronnie's genuinely just trying to be helpful. Oh, yeah. He's like, too, he seems so nice. He's too nice. I think he's just kind of stupid. Yeah. I just wanted to establish that. Oh, God. I don't like this. I really, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting to see if something happens. He's whipping his cock out! Help! <sighs> Saved by Ricky. Yeah, get him, Ricky! Oh, God, Artie, don't kill the kid. 
This next clip is our reaction to one of the first grotesque things you see in this film. Oh, God. A pot of boiling water. That's never a good sign. How many people have I seen boiling alive on this show? A lot. One. More than one? I think just Halloween 2. Uh, that guy in... Uh, My Bloody Valentine. With oh. the hot dog water, too. Oh! Already quit being weird. Ben's death, just like in real life. <laughs> oh! That had to suck. Oh my god! Holy shit! That has to suck for this guy. And you know what? I really don't care because he's a pedophile. Oh, I feel bad for Ben. Oh! That's good, like, makeup. Mm hmm. That's, like, really good. Holy shit. I'm not going to say... Well, I'm going to say he deserved it. Yeah, he kind of sucks. Yeah, look. Great way to start this movie with, like, a guy who you're like, wow. He's... Oh, the... That was disgusting. The way it was... Oh. Like, moving on the side of his face. This next clip is me finally realizing why Angela's been quiet at camp this entire time. Have you figured out why she's so quiet, Bob? Okay? That's fucked up. What? That's fucked up. It's because of the hashtag drama. I know. Now. <laughs> I've just realized. It makes your previous comment very funny. <laughs> her dad and her brother died here. This next clip is our reaction to Angela finally breaking her silence at camp. Oh, she said something to him. That was nice. <laughs> Paul was like, fuck yeah. Yeah, it helps if someone's actually nice to her for once. Yeah. And not just a wretched bitch like she's about to be. <laughs> wow. You know Judy so well already. Yeah, she's fucking furious. This next clip is our reaction to one of the dead campers' body reveals. Oh! Ew! That's a good fake body. It's also just oh, watching a snake crawl in his mouth. Look perfect, but no, but it's good. The snake is great. Yeah. This next clip is Ben and I's reaction to one of the more creative kills in this film. I mean, I don't see what's so bad about this one. Well, Dude's just stuck in the stall. What if he wants to get out? I mean, sure. I mean, like, eventually. It's not like he's going to have... Oh! Never mind! ...any want to get out of the stall. This guy's going to get fucking stabbed? <laughs> you can't take a shit. Oh, is that a wasp nest? It might be a wasp nest. Oh, my God! I hope he's not allergic. With a nest that big, being allergic is not the concern. Oh, my God. Holy shit. This guy's getting fucked up. He got stung to death? Oh, my God. Oh. That's fucked. 
This next clip is our reaction to probably one of the most iconic kills in this film. I couldn't tell who that was. <laughs> oh my god! They just like punched her in the fucking face. Oh, not the hair, not the hair curler. Don't, don't. That's a terrible thing to use on somebody else, man. Oh yes, Bob. Oh god. And you know what the best part is? Oh god. What are they gonna do with it? I don't know what they're gonna do with it. It gets worse, Bob. There's no fucking way. Okay, well, of course you open it. Where do you think it's going, Bob? I don't know. I'll give you a hint. It was going down. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, god damn. That's fucked up. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Guess what Bob remembers? I remembered the thing I wanted to say. Hey, you told me, since we're going to the convention with the people from this movie edit, you wanted to take something for an actress to sign. Yes. And you remember, you were going to tell me what it was after I've seen the movie. What is it? So, okay, it's related to uh, a heavy spoiler here. So I'm going to pantomime it uh, for Bob. Okay. But the character that, um... Oh, I you... Wanna, I want to bring that. Oh, that's good. <laughs> That's really good. I was wondering what you were thinking about bringing. Really funny, right? That's a great one. Hmm. You're right. I do want to steal that because that's funny. But see, Damn. part of the issue is I'm also like, I could bring a poster and get like a bunch of people to sign. Yeah, it. that's what I was thinking too, man. Because there's gonna be a bunch of people from this movie there. And also, I'm not. I always feel a little bit iffy on getting people to sign items. Yeah, that's fair. In part because I'm not sure like if an actor's comfortable with it, because. Sometimes people go to the conventions to get stuff signed so they can sell it online. No, I see, I don't want to do that, though. Which I just want to have cool stuff. Which is kind of shitty, but I don't oh. want to do that. I just want it. Yeah. yeah. Like like how I'm going to buy a Michael Myers mask and get Nick Castle and Tony Moran to sign my thing. I, I don't think Tony Moran's Or there. Nick Castle and uh, OG Michael. Low Kid Michael. Uh, there's also another Michael. Yeah, but I just want those two. You should get all of them. That's for, on a separate thing. I want a mask that is just oh, Nick just, Castle. Just the original three? Yes. Okay. Leave them, they're their own thing. Well, you're still missing one, but I get I get what you're saying. Yes. Okay. You know what I mean. If only Dick Warlock was coming. Dick Warlock's not the original one. No, I know, but I like Dick Warlock. My favorite Halloween movie. You'd have to get a, oh, you can get screen accurate masks for each film. But I don't want the four or five mask. Wouldn't that be funny? No. <laughs> I hate the mask in five. Okay. Uh, well, <sighs> you hate one of the masks in five. No, I hate that mask too. <laughs> All right. Okay, moving on. Uh, yeah. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts. We're on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other places. You're mm -hmm. probably listening to us now on something. Somehow. We're there. We're also on YouTube, which is a good place to listen to us and show us support because, like, it's really easy to see stuff there. Uh, you know, like likes or subscriptions. Uh, you can also hit the notification button to, like, let you know whenever we post a new episode if you don't have that set up for like spotify or something uh, it's also one of the two places you can communicate with us at you know you can do that in the youtube comment section or with bob over on twitter you know let us know what you think the podcast yeah like ben was saying check us out on twitter at beware the board it's where we post updates about the show information about the show basically anything you need to know about the show goes on our twitter on Monday, I post a spoiler post for that Friday's episode, which is basically a movie cover that's hidden that you can reveal 
to see what it is so that you can watch the movie before we do. So that whenever you're listening to the episode and we're being really vague about stuff, you know what we're talking about and you don't get any spoilers. Or you can yell at Bob when he spoils something. I Look, dude. Be like, not you, Bob. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> Why you spoil stuff? Okay. No, some people are going to get that one. Some people aren't. I've been trying to be better about spoilers lately. Not you, Bob. <laughs> uh. Yeah, then... Whatever day an episode goes live, I post the link to the episode on our Twitter. So if you ever missed an upload or wondering when something went up, every single episode has a link on our Twitter. And maybe sometimes an associated meme. Just depends on if Ben gives me one that week or not. Last thing, check us out on TikTok and YouTube Shorts at Beware the Board. I've been posting short clips from the show. Never before. So, never before ugh, I can't even talk anymore. It's such, it's such a long recording. Never before seen clips from the show. Basically, if you're into short form content and enjoy the show, Check out our TikTok app, Aware the Board, and also YouTube Shorts. I think that's it. Uh, well, no, there's one last, last thing. Oh, yep. Yeah. We have to announce what the next episode of oh, yeah. Dementia Prep is. Holy shit, I, I forgot we do that. We're not continuing with this franchise, yeah. guys. We'll L- cover I'm that I'm a little sad about else. that, to be honest. Instead, we're jumping to the next movie on our list. I'm not sure when that's going to be coming out, because I don't think we've decided yet. It, it's basically up to how fast Bob wants to edit it, if he wants to release it on... Monday or next Saturday, but I think you'll know because he'll have told you on Twitter. Um, Monday. Probably Monday? Yeah, well, I'll probably put it on a Monday just okay. to keep up with the schedule. Well, the next one that's coming out is uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Oh, hell yeah. I love that film. I've never seen it, but I've wanted to watch it. Like, okay, so, you know, for those of you that aren't aware and are just now watching us for the first time, uh, when we started the show, I didn't like horror movies. Not, I didn't like, I was, I was very scared. Bob was afraid again. I'm still scared of many things. But he knows he has to do it now. Yeah, this is more of a commitment now. But, like, that was one of those movies that I saw that was on Netflix, and I went, you know, I'm not really into horror movies, but that looks like fun, and I want to yeah. watch it. <laughs> so it's very exciting. So that'll be coming out on apparently Monday. So yeah, I'll have look that forward on to that. Uh, on that note, we'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll uh, see you guys next time. <laughs>